Welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio, hosted by Jerry Armentrout and Scott Barker. Welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio, the podcast where we talk about jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts, and anything else we find interesting while drinking whiskey. I'm Scott Barker. He's Jerry Armentrout. Hey. Welcome to tonight's show. So the bottle for tonight is straight from Kentucky, literally. Yes, um, we are drinking Buffalo Trace, which is coming from the oldest distillery in America. So a little research on Buffalo Trace. So the, the Buffalo Trace Distillery is the old George T. Stagg Distillery. Um, it was renovated and renamed. Buffalo Trace is... Um, they're secretive about their mash bill. Yeah. Um, this is a low rye mash bill. It's pretty high in corn, so it's going to be very smooth and sweet without a lot of spice or a lot of heat. Um, but the Buffalo Trace Distillery is the same distillery that does Eagle Rare, Old Charter, Blanton's, Ancient Age, and the Pappy Van Winkle line. Um, the, the really interesting thing is the distillery has four mash bills for all of their brands, and that's it. They've got the, the low rye mash bill one, they've got low rye mash bill two, they have a rye mash bill, and they have a weeded mash bill. All of their various whiskeys come from those four mash bills, and it's all a matter of how they're barreled, aged, and the length of aging. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool, but... Yeah, there's some secret insider. Plus, plus they are expanding by a lot their uh, square footage is get is they're almost doubling in size so that they can start meeting the demand that they expect over the next decade buffalo trace is hard to come by it's like, very hard to find in virginia yeah. um one of the the perks of my travel for work is i get to go down to kentucky quite a bit so uh we found a bottle of, of buffalo trace and and i snuck it back up on the southern express yep and uh, I, we got some other uh we i got a couple other bottles while i was down there that will be debuted on the uh on the podcast one of which i'm very excited to try because it is completely unavailable in virginia there you go so cheers brother cheers. jerry Bourbon that has balls. That's awesome. That's that's pretty good. For, that's legit. For, for a low rye mash bill, um, I like that a lot. Yeah. So Jerry brought up uh, some stuff he wanted to talk about tonight. Um, so Jerry, what do you got? Well, I wanted to keep it a little lighthearted again. Uh, a lot of that comes from, you know, if anybody's, if I guarantee you everybody listening pays attention to social media, watches the news, it's been a pretty bad week overall. A lot of bad things happening. So I was like, you know, let's keep it lighthearted today. Let's not get serious. Kind of, you know, give people, you know, a break from the bad stuff. So what caught my attention this week, uh, started last week, is Scott Coker and Dana White uh, bickering back and forth about who has the best light heavyweight depth and roster. Scott Coker says Bellator does now since John Jones is no longer uh, gave up his title and is moving to heavyweight, and because Bellator signed Corey Anderson, Dana White just kind of laughed it off, and it got got me to thinking. You know what would be cool is if we pit in a fantasy because I know it'll never happen. 
uh, if we go, you know, top matchups and what we think what would happen, you know. Some of these fights would be interesting. It'd be hard to go champ versus champ legit because Bellator doesn't have as many weight divisions as uh, the UFC. But Bellator, like we talked about before, their depth is starting to get there. Uh, from getting guys from uh, one championship, guys from M1, guys coming over from the UFC, guys coming up from Professional Fight League, and just young young guns, you know, finally getting coming to their own. Bellator's starting to get a decent roster. Do they completely match up, in my opinion, to the UFC? No. But that's my opinion. But we're going to break it down. Me and Scott are going to talk about a few of these matchups, and we're going to, you know, say what we think is going to happen. Yep. So, uh, Jerry's right. For the UFC has eight weight classes. Bellator only has four. They only have... But I, well, Bellator does have two women's classes, right? Uh, yeah, and they have they have two women's classes. I was just talking about the men's. We'll do well, the, the UFC. I think only has has three women's classes. They, uh, they have four. Four. Yeah, they yeah they do, don't they? They got four. Four. So we'll we'll start with the men. So where these start to match up is the first ones at featherweight. So the the UFC champ at featherweight right now is Alex Volkanovski, and Bellator is Patricio Pitbull. That's a tough one. No, I like Volkanovski all day. Uh, Patricio is good, but I've seen him get beat by Chandler. I've seen him get beat by by a lot of guys. He did take the title from Chandler, but I watched that fight. I watched it live, and then I watched it several times on replay because I'm a big Michael Chandler fan. And all Patricio caught him with uh, kind of a hook above the ear and staggered Chandler a little bit. But Chandler was recovering and was defending himself and was starting to get his legs back under him when the referee called it. So it was more of a freak shot. It got through a little hook, kind of rang his bell because it caught him right on the ear. And the referee stopped it too quick. It was a very bad stoppage because Chandler was defending himself and was getting his feet back under him. And if referee doesn't stop it, Chandler probably wins that wins that fight, keeps the title. So Patricio uh, Pitbull has an issue with highly technical fighters. Yep. The question is, every time Patricio has pulled off a win against a highly technical fighter, it's because he's overwhelmed them with just ferocity and volume of volume of fire. Right. So the question is. Does Volkanovski have the technical ability to keep Pitbull at bay, or does Pitbull have the ferocity to overcome Volkanovski's technique? Do you think? I mean, had, did you miss the last two Volkanovski Holloway fights? I, I, I'm asking that the question. Was, that was high level, high energy, lots of strikes, lots of lots of coming forward, both guys. I think Patricio going against Volkanovski would literally be walking to a buzzsaw and wouldn't get through the first round. I think Volkanovski would easily welcome, would welcome a brawl and would take him down, would outstrike him and take him down and just pound him. Patricio, like I said, got lucky beating Chandler. If he doesn't catch Chandler with that weird little hook to the ear and kind of staggers him and the referee stops it too quick, Chandler's still the champion. So your votes, votes for Volkanovski? Yeah, easily. 
All right, my votes for Volkanovski as well. So in the Rolling Rocks Radio Fantasy UFC yeah. Bellator Tournament, our money's on Alex Volkanovski at featherweight. So the next weight class where we've got a matchup is at welterweight. And the UFC champion right now is Kamaru Usman. Yes. And the Bellator champion is Douglas Lima. Now this, this, this is, is a, a tough match. This is a fight. Because Lima... Scott, not only does he have technique, he's a good grappler, but the dudes get heart. I mean, his fights with Roy McDonald, where he couldn't even stand up. And yet here he is. He just struggled through. And I I think Douglas Lima could beat Usman in five rounds. He might not. I don't think it's going to be a TKO or submission. I think he outpoints him in five rounds. I think Douglas Lima would be what Usman couldn't get past because their technique Douglas Lima is a great grappler and his striking is great his leg kicks are phenomenal and he's just got heart and I think Usman would have a hard time manhandling him I, I hear what you say I'm a Douglas Lima fan I like him but the more I see of Usman, the more I am starting to believe that he is going to be the only person, the only fighter that I think that you could pull up that might give Usman a shot is maybe bringing back GSP or somebody like that. I think Usman's just got too much control. His his takedowns and body position control are too good, and his defense against strikers has been too good. I, I'm going with Usman on this one. You're probably I'm a I'm a Usman guy. We've talked about it before. I I love Usman's style. I I've listened to a lot of his interviews. I've become a big fan. But watching Lima over his last few fights, I think Lima could take him three to two decision. I think he could take him in a five round fight via decision. It'd be three rounds to two, but I think Lima would control enough of it that he could get the decision. I think Lima could beat him with the decision. I don't think he could knock him out. I don't think he could submit him because Usman's got heart too. Yeah. But I think Lima could actually scrape out that decision. And, I, I mean, this is a hard decision, but I, yeah, this I, I is Lima tough. Lima. I mean, All right. I'm not going to say, you know, I could, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, this is a, a fantasy. What we would like to see, what I'm thinking. I, I think Lima could outpoint him. All right, so so your vote's for, for Lima. Yeah. I'm going with Usman, so there it's a go. split decision amongst the Rolling Rocks radio judges, so not a big deal. All right, so the next one where they match up is at light heavyweight. Um, of course, currently the UFC is vacant, but the yep. number one contender or, or the, the number one ranked fighter in the UFC stable is Dominic Reyes. Yep. And, of course, the Bellator is uh, Vladdy Nemkov. Yes, after his destruction of Bader. Of Bader. Yeah, that was... That, was, that, was, that was what you're talking about with Patricia. That was just overwhelming... Force. Jerry I mean, texted me right after that fight and said, "Damn, Bader got slept," and I was I couldn't argue with it. it that was um, that that was the best synopsis. I I'll be honest. I'm I'm as 
as competitive as the fight that Dominic Reyes had against John Jones, mm-hmm. and as much as I thought he deserved a rematch to try to go back for it, I got to go with Nimkov on this one. Just based on what I saw, I mean, yeah, it's one fight. I've, I've watched Boy, a couple of his. It's one fight versus Ryan Bader. It's not one fight against a top 15 prospect. This, you fought Bader and you just. He. First round dominated. Second round put him to sleep. I mean, it wasn't even a fight. Bader was just backing up the whole fight, and this boy was just coming forward. Crisp technique, crisp combinations, that high kick in the second that spelled the end. I mean, that was probably one of the most beautiful setup high kicks you could throw. He he was using his hands and feints, and he got Bader to lean the way he wanted and just high kick the hell out of him. And that was it. If Bader was in the Bellator Championship right now and we were comparing Dom Reyes against Bader, I would pick Bader. Yeah. But that the so that even more cements the fact that I'm going to go yes. with Nemkov over Reyes. I like Dominic Reyes, but oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Dominic Reyes could survive that onslaught. If he comes out the same way, he's just going to kill it. He's just going to overwhelm him. Now, Dominic Reyes is... The, has to defend is actually fighting what in two weeks for that vacant title now. Yes. So that we could you know we'll see what happens at, at that match. Maybe we revisit this match in a couple weeks and say hey you know after see what Dominic Reyes does maybe he changes their mind. But based on how he fought John Jones and some of his other fights, to me Dominic Reyes is a controlling fighter. He controls tempo. He tries to keep it kind of steady. And he, you know, he doesn't do a lot of overwhelming stuff. I think he would get overwhelmed and, and, and lose all concept. Yeah. So your vote's for Nimkov? Yes. My vote's for Nimkov. So unanimous for Nimkov on this one. So the last male weight class that they match up on is, of course, heavyweight. Mm-hmm. UFC champ right now, Steve Miocic, yep. versus Bellator heavyweight, Ryan Bader. Stipe. Uh, Stipe. I, I like Ryan Bader, but Stipe beat Daniel Cormier twice. The second fight went five rounds. These dudes beat the shit out of each other. They also apparently poked each other in the eyes unintentionally. Oh, God. It was unintentional. If you watch it, it was unintentional. They were both. At both times it happened, it was defending takedowns. It's just them hand-fighting. Uh, even I'm, Daniel Cormier said, yeah, I couldn't see out of my eye. I got poked. But he didn't blame Stipe. He didn't say it was a dirty fight. It was just one of those things. They're in, you know, hand fighting. They're pushing for position. And the finger got high and got him in the eye. And no one noticed. Stipe didn't know. And the referee didn't see it. I'm still surprised uh, that DC's eyeball didn't come shooting out of his yeah. ear after that one poke. I mean... Stipe was two two yeah. knuckles into that eye. But it, but if you look at how it, 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 I watched it several times that eye poke, and you watch it slow, you it doesn't look. It, no way does it look like Stipe meant to. No, I say sliding in trying. I think it looks like DC sliding in trying to get a takedown. Stipe's pushing his hands up to keep DC out. DC drops his head, and that finger goes instead of going 
over, you know, on top of the head. DC's move, DC's move bobbing and weaving. And it goes in the eyeball. I think that be, you know, that's what the issue was. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think it was, um, it was intentional at all. And but. if DC was a champion, I'd take DC over Ryan Bader. Yeah, agreed. And the thing, I like Ryan Bader, but I like Bader, Stipe. Well, so Stipe is a true heavyweight, yes. right? And he's got a height and a weight yep. advantage against Bader. Yep. Bader floating between light heavyweight and heavyweight. He's and the bad thing is he's not. He's more. He should have stayed with the light heavyweight. Oh, are you sure about that? After the Nimkov fight, he didn't put any time in. Well, that's think about true. it. He's had both titles for a while. Hadn't fought he since has, the Grand Prix, since yep, the tournament, since he won. The coronavirus kept him, you know, from really training hard. And he did put, he did have a little bit of a training camp, but not his normal one. And it showed. He just got overwhelmed by a guy who was training nonstop. And it showed. And Bader is getting a little older. He's getting a little longer in the tooth. And I just don't think, I think Stipe would ragdoll him. DC I, would definitely ragdoll, ragdoll him. him. Yeah. And, and like I said, there's just, there's something about, a true heavyweight going mm. against a floater. Yeah. Which is kind of one of the reasons why I'm kind of interested to see what, and I know we're kind of diverting here. Let, 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 show. Okay, so let's agree on this first of all. We're going to go with Stipe on this one. This mm-hmm. is unanimous. Okay, so Stipe at heavyweight versus Ryan Bader. Yeah. That's, but that's the thing that I find interesting about John Jones, Jones. coming up to, to heavyweight, right? Because he is, and Chael's talked about this, and Ariel Hawani's talked yeah. about this, and, and everybody, everybody who knows anything about mixed martial arts knows that John Jones is the perfect 205. Yep. He walks around at think about think about it this way. When he was suspended from the UFC, and he could use all the Mexican supplements, and he was powerlifting and doing everything, he weighed 240. Yeah. Not not worrying about his weight. Doing deadlifts and squats and, and all coke that stuff. and hookers. hookers. Oh, <laughs> and man, cheers to that, cheers. And and uh, Mexican supplements, man. We love you, John Jones. Please don't beat us up. Yeah, please. Uh, he weighed two forty. Yeah. So how are you going to? He's yeah. built for two hundred five. He is perfectly built for two hundred five. You're not. You're. He's going to beat some people at heavyweight. Because he's got technique, he's got long arms, long legs, and he's controlling. But I like what Israel said. You're going to go up against a legit heavyweight like Nganu, and he's going to break your skinny little legs. <laughs> and that's what I think. He's, he's going to go up, and he's going to realize his power at light heavyweight does not translate to heavyweight against these heavy hitters. And I saw... Uh, John Jones' little Twitter thing after the DC Stipe match where he said, oh. I got this. All I got to do is avoid Stipe's right hand, and there it is. I win the fight. Stipe no. will take you down in a heartbeat. Look what he did to Francis Ngannou, the monster everybody was afraid of. Stipe took that brutal right hand and said, yeah, thanks, man. Picked him up, dropped him, and just ragdolled him for five rounds. Ngannou looked lost on his back. And if Stipe can do that to Francis Ngannou, he's going to do worse to John Jones. There is something to be said about the the weight difference. Yes. Right? I mean, I think Jones will have some luck at – 
And this doesn't really even have anything to do with skill. I think you'll have some luck at, with the heavyweights that are on the smaller end of the weight class. Yeah, because you got guys right? that, that are like 240, 245. Yeah. That are, you know, that are that low end. There's a handful of guys like that. You know, he... Uh, Volkov. Yeah, Volkov. He's 240, 245. I mean, he, and he's mostly a striker. So, John Jones could probably take him. Okay, so now I'm going to... All right, so let's pick... Let's, let's do the women's and let's pick this discussion up because I, I got something I want to talk about. Okay. I got something I want to talk about here. So, we'll go over the women's um, and then... So, the, the, the UFC has... Four weight classes for the women. Bellator only has two. Um, UFC has straw weight with Wei Li Zhang. There's no uh, comparative weight class over in Bellator. The first place that they match up is at flyweight. So that fight would be Valentina Shevchenko versus Alamale McFarlane. The Battle of the Dime Pieces. Now, this you got to put a little think, thought into this one mm-hmm. because there's two total different styles. You've got a Muay Thai kickboxer. Who trains out of Tiger Muay, Muay Thai in Phuket. Versus a grappler, a, gra- a grind fighter. Mm-hmm. So you, Shevanko does not do well with legit high-level grapplers. She's good, she's okay with them, but the high-level, you know... Amanda Nunes took her down. Yep. High-level jiu-jitsu, beat mm-hmm. her. Well, even just, just high-level ground and pound, yeah, right? Yeah. Somebody who can defend the strikes, yep. force the takedown, and get the superior position and pound out. Now, Shevanko has gotten better. She, it's been a couple years, but she actually got an armbar finish. She did. Uh, yep. I'm trying to remember against who. It was another high-level fighter is, is what set her up for her title shot. I mean, she's legit, but this is almost a toss-up. This is a probably a to- is a toss-up because you can see it either way. I don't think this is a knockout. I think this is a five-round brawl. I think it comes down to points. Does Shevanko get more strikes, significant strikes, and bloody her up, or does she get taken down by McFarlane? And the other thing is, is McFarlane's heart in the fight? Because yeah. I've seen when her when she's got outside, and right now she has some outside drama. She does. And uh, she got some personal shit going on. So right now, I don't think Shevanka would beat her nine times out of ten because McFarlane's mind ain't good right now. But, but assuming perfect conditions. Perfect conditions. McFarlane's defensive striking and her ability to use uh, an opponent's aggression... To get the takedown, McFarlane might win a might win a split decision. I see it would be probably be a split decision because you would because you would have Shevanko's kicks and them strikes and her Muay Thai would get her some points, but I think McFarlane would probably take her down and control and get a split decision win. So you're going with McFarlane? I think I think in a split decision that could go either way, but I think with her. Technique in grappling and her ability to take a shot, because she's taking some shots. Yes, I I I think she gets a split decision win. 
close, but a split decision. So I'm going to go with Alamale McFarlane as well, just from the stamp. And I love Valentina Shevchenko. Yes. She, the bullet, her, yeah. the bullet's amazing. Um, if you don't follow her on Instagram, follow her on Instagram. She, yeah, she lives up to her title. She yeah. lives up to Bullet. She she lives. She moved to Las Vegas. Well, outside of Las Vegas. Yeah. She's uh, her sister. She's got a younger sister who fights in the who, UFC. Yep. Who? Uh, Ileana Shevchenko. Yeah, yep. Who? Uh, just as tough. Um, they have a great Instagram. Both of them. Have you seen the 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 Instagram from from uh, Ileana where she's doing the literally the 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 Jean Claude Van Damme kickboxer where she's low tie kicking the tree, yep, kicking the fuck out of yep. that tree. She is, le- I mean, she's they're legit. both legit. So, but and my heart is with Valentino, but my brain says the takedowns will be there because and- of her aggression. And I think McFarlane can defend enough to take her down. And I'm I'm going with there's something about the Polynesian Islander tenacity tenacity that you see with um, you know, Holloway yeah. and some of the other like I said some of the other Hawaiian Polynesian fighters. Um, you know, not to BJ say Penn. yeah I mean, BJ look Penn. How, BJ Penn man that dude's still fighting. He still wants to fight. Yeah, he needs to stop. He needs to stop. That's a whole other story. He needs to stop. So, okay. So, unanimous on Alamale McFarlane? Yes. All right. So, the next place where they they match up is at Featherweight. This is going to be a really short discussion because UFC's champion is Amanda Nunes and Bellator's is Chris Cyborg. Nunes. We already know how this one ended. First round knockout. First round knockout. Now, it would be fun to see a rematch. But I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be the same. And it might even be more brutal because Nunez is getting better. She is, but I am still going to go back to the same comment that I made back on like episode 6 where we talked about this. Where I would like to see how Chris Cyborg reacts now that she knows that Nunez is completely capable of bullying her the same way that she that Chris Cyborg has bullied everybody else. I want to see how that fight turns out because the 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 script got totally flipped on Cyborg in that fight and it showed. I would love to see how that one turns out. I'm still going to vote for Nunez because I think she's got I think she's got it. I really do, but I want to see that fight. I'd love to see that fight. All right, so I'm going to add add a fight or two to this to our conversation real quick while we you know. Okay. All right. So middleweight, I had mm. Israel and Yanez versus Gegard Mousasi. Oh, that would be a good fight. Oh man. Um. So you've oh man. So you've got a very very technical, very nuanced striker in Izzy. Yep. And then in Gegar Mousasi, you've just got a, a straight savage. Savage. A dude who, once he come, who looks, when he's doing interviews, wearing his glasses, he looks like he, a professor. He, yeah. And then he comes to the ring and just goes freaking bananas and just, you know, rips your guts out. Oh, damn, dude. That's a good yeah, one. That's see, a good see, one. See? Um, I'm going Izzy on that one. I think Izzy's more technical, and I think he will find a way to win. But God, that would be such it would a be good a fight. great fight. I'm going Izzy on that. One. And I got one other little change up with the weight because see, Bellator's weight classes are a little different. 
Patricio Pitbull, not against Volkanovski, but against Khabib Nagamenov. Uh, That's who what I got written down. Okay, so I got one rule, and it's don't bet against the Dagestani. So I'm going Khabib on that. That was one. yeah, that was an easy choice. I'm like Khabib will ragdoll him first round. Yeah, we'll say, dude, what are you doing? Why are you know? And then probably submit him about the two minute mark. So Patricio could beat my ass. Yes, but more likely. But if more than likely, <laughs> but if if he went up against Khabib, he would walk out of the ring as Patricio Chihuahua. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be that bad. Yeah, he would just get crushed. I mean, Patricio is a great fighter. His brother Patricio yeah. is yeah. a great fighter. They, are, they support I each other. They are good fighters. I don't see that right. being a a match at all. Now, see that talking about his brother. We got uh, his brother. I got his brother fighting uh, uh, Peter Young. That would be that would be an interesting fight. That would be an interesting fight. I haven't seen enough of Peter Yan no. other than his his domination. Weight. Yeah, yeah, domination. Um, I and need of to do course the, he dominated Jose Aldo. Yeah, who probably should have been put out the pasture last I year. Love Jose, but yeah, yes, he needs he's to good, hang but it up. he's taking too much of a beating. And to me, it literally looks like Dana White's like, dude, you need to retire. I'm not going to retire. Fine. Fight these savages until you decide yeah. you need to fucking retire. Or you get CTE and you can't walk to the fucking cage. Because, dude, this is what we're doing, man. So that, yeah, so let's let's add that to the list for uh, uh, episode, or for the, the, the next section. Um, all right, so you got anything else on fantasy matchups? No, nah, I, I was just, I had those two different, because the weight class disparities... I mean, you've got there's a lot of fantasy fights we can make, and we may in a future episode expound uh, ex- on those. Go into like what are fantasy matchups between M1, one championship, Bellator, across, across, across the stretches all of, of time, and uh, yeah, across 20, 30, 40 years. Of that, we may get into and be like, you know what, this is who we want to see fight, and this is what we think is going to happen. We might do that in a few few episodes. We gotta. Uh, another guest coming on, uh, Cage Fighter himself, and I think that's the episode we might do them because we, we can get his opinion. Yep. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear uh, a little something from the guest of our previous episode, Matt Warner. Uh, this is the first. This is the world premiere of the advertisement for his book, Empire of the Goddess. It's an awesome read. You guys ought to go out and check it out, but here's a little something from Matt Warner and Empire of the Goddess. My name is Thomas Dillon. You may know me as the man who supposedly killed his own son to collect insurance money. The truth is my little boy, Walter, was abducted by a religious cult. They took him to a parallel world, to an America run by religious fanatics and plagued by disease. I know because I've been there, and I found my son. It's a place of magic and malice and ignorance, where faith healing is medical care, and government enforcers dress like Klansmen. Now, I know I sound crazy, like this is the plot of a dystopian dark fantasy novel that would appeal to fans of Neil Gaiman. And indeed, that's how I had to get my story out, by teaming up with writer Matthew Warner. 
He published my first person account as a novel called Empire of the Goddess. Publishers Weekly called it quick-paced and intriguing. Can you believe that? But he let me record the audiobook because only I can tell you my story. And it's gonna blow your mind. Look for it on Amazon and at MatthewWarner.com. Empire of the Goddess. All right, and we're back. So, various and sundry. So, uh, this whole thing started with Dana White versus Scott Coker. And I watched the Dana White um, press conference after USC, UFC on ESPN. Did you see that? Uh, Bits and pieces. It was it was amazing. So the the first thing was about the Corey Anderson. So he was released, or yeah, he asked, asked for the release. release. Yeah. Um, and Dana White said he's going to be more competitive at Bellator. Mm-hmm. Corey Anderson appeared on Chael Sonnen's podcast. He said, you know, it it wasn't necessarily acrimonious. Um, you know, Bellator just saw more value in me. And Dana said, "Yeah, I'll give you the release and let you go." So, which was which was good from you know on Dana White's behalf because he has held people to their contracts, but right now he's got so many fighters. It, Corey Anderson, Corey Anderson is he's hit or miss. He's a boxer. He's a yeah. legit. He was a former boxer who transitioned to MMA, and it's been pretty rough on him. Yeah, so. Um, when Dana was asked about Scott Coker, you know, saying that he had the best lightweight division and uh, light heavyweight division in, in mixed martial art, Dana's response was, isn't he cute? Yeah. Which was just so gangster. Yeah. It was hilarious. Um, one interesting tidbit that came out of that, um, press conference, I don't know if you saw it. They were talking about Tony Ferguson, about whether or not he has a fight. He's gonna fight Dustin Poirier. He's gonna fight Dustin Poirier. That that little thing. Only, only if Michael Chandler does not sign with the UFC. If Michael Chandler accepts the UFC's offer, you will see Chandler versus Poirier or Ferguson, and Poirier will fight on another gentleman who's lurking in the wings. One Irish lad named Connor. Fucking McGregor, McGregor, who said, I want to fight Dustin Poirier. And Dustin Poirier is like, I would love to avenge my loss. And McGregor, oh, and well, he keeps saying I'm retired, but I follow that guy on Instagram. He's not retired. That dude is working his cardio like crazy. I mean, the dude's like riding this like weird sea ocean bicycle thingy across, you know, the ocean with people. Including, like, the princess of, like, England or something. He's, like, right, you know, one of the duchesses or something. I mean, he's, like, legit getting after it. He's not retired. I think he said I'm retired because he was bored and there wasn't any fights because of coronavirus. He's kind of stuck in Ireland. It's hard getting anywhere. He's got, you know, I think some stuff was coming up, and he's just like, I I need to take a break. I think him saying I'm retired is literally saying, hey, man, I need, I I I can't fight right now. But he has shown interest in fighting Dustin Poirier. So if Michael Chandler signs with the UFC, I think you'll see Chandler versus Ferguson and Poirier versus McGregor. And the winner of McGregor, uh, Poirier, fights Khabib next. 
yes, I'm overlooking Justin Gaethje. I think Khabib's going to mop their octagon with him. Oh, I don't know about that, but I think, uh, I think we'll Khabib, see. McGregor sat Khabib down, and he got back up. I think Gaethje doesn't hit as hard as McGregor, and I think Khabib's going to not get set down. But don't sleep on Gaethje's wrestling. Gaethje's wrestling is good, but I don't think it's Dagestani. I wrestle bears when I'm four. My dad was a world champion Olympic coach. That's true. That's the issue. The only problem would be is if not having his dad in his corner could be a problem. That is something we have to take in consideration. Khabib's dad passed. Is this going to affect him? It may because that his daddy was his head coach. Okay, but does it affect him like Buster Douglas's mother's death affected him when he knocked Mike Tyson out? Because that was the thing about about Buster Douglas was yeah. his mom passed and he put it all into his yeah. training camp and won the title from from. Tyson. I don't think I don't think it's going to take anything away from his from him preparing because Khabib's a monster and Khabib's committed. I think it's more of that corner coaching mm. while the fight's going on. Okay, I can see because that. Because you need that guy whispering in your ear, hey, this is what I see. Because when you're in there, you don't see that shit. People are, you're, you're yeah. getting taken down, kicks, punches, you're defending. They're watching from the outside, they see it. So his dad, it's like, hey, he's slipping to this side more. Be prepared for it. Hey, this is what's going on. Shoot for the takedown now. When he does this, do the takedown. He's open for it. Khabib's dad's been his coach forever, and now he's not. So that could be that could give that could give Gaethje an opening. But is Khabib going to go out there and say this is for my dad, this is for my country, and ragdoll Gaethje? I that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I think he's going to walk through them punches, take Gaethje down, and like he said himself. I'm going to drag him into the deep, deepest ocean and drown him. Gaethje can strike. They, they're teammates. They've trained together. He knows how hard Gaethje can hit, and he knows how to avoid it. I think it'll be a good fight one way or the other. I don't think it'll be over quickly. But I don't think it goes past four rounds. I okay. think he gets. I think Gaethje gets submitted around end of round three or the beginning of round four. So you, you mentioned Michael Chandler. So mm-hmm. if UFC signs Michael Chandler, what's the over-under on Dana White coming out at the next press conference and, and just lancing Scott Coker with some like if they, comment? If they land Chandler, he will say, hey, how about our like, you know, heavyweight, whatever division Chandler decides to fight in. Because Chandler can go up in weight or down. So Chandler's going to they're going to have to find a good fit for him. Yeah. It'll probably be, you know, what he's doing now, but we'll see, man. So the the, the, the last comment out of the, the Dana White post-fight uh, press conference was, did you hear his uh, comment on De La Hoya? No. Okay, so... I missed that. Oh, this is good. So... Um, I've heard several of his comments about wearing high heels and snorting coke, but I missed this one. <laughs> so one of the uh, press pool reporters asked him about his opinion of De La Hoya coming out of retirement. Yes, yes, I and know. And oh Dana White's words were, cocaine ain't cheap. Yeah, okay. Which, you know, falls That's, right in with the, the high heels and fishnets. And Yeah, the last time, yeah, 
Oscar De La Hoya has picked the wrong one to, to try to mess with. He's he's True. taken shots at Dana White before, and one of my favorites were like, this is coming from a guy who wears high heels and fishnets and snorts coke. I don't give a damn. His opinion doesn't matter. When he was talking shit when McGregor was going to fight Mayweather. And you know what? That's what makes it interesting. Dana White does not care. The dude's a billionaire. He just got his own hotel for his fighters in Vegas. So now they are self-contained. They don't have to worry about being contaminated. They don't have to worry about outsiders. They don't have to worry about any other rules. He now has a hotel just for fighters in Vegas. So we've got. Uh, so that's all I got for the the Dana White press conference. But that's awesome, though. Dana Scott Coker. He doesn't is, care. It's funny. Scott Coker is more businesslike, and he does the professional. Hey, I think this is why I think we're better at this. Blah 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 blah. And Dana White's like, "Fuck you, I'm on top." It's it's the Sean Connery comment <laughs> from The Rock. Losers say how good I am. Winners go, go home, home and fuck, fuck the, the prom, prom queen. queen. And Dana White's the winner. He's going home and fucking the prom queen. Because, But in all fairness, the reason we'll never see this fight happen, because he, Bellator has nothing to lose. So they'd be all in. Because think about it. Even if they pulled off one or two wins, they beat the UFC. Yeah. UFC's got a lot to lose. They've They're got the everything to lose. They are the concrete number one. Bellator's pretty much the concrete number two. And then you've got uh, one championship, M1, and all these other Ryzen. guys. And Ryzen. All those other, right, well, Ryzen's more of a, a freak show. I don't even really consider them a legit organization. Not in a bad way, but they do the wild shit. Yeah. Which isn't a problem because some of those fights are awesome. Because shit you'll never see before. You'll never see anywhere else. But they're more of the, hey man... How would a boxer do against a kickboxer? How would this 50-year-old <laughs> do against Gabby Garcia? Professional wrestler do against Gabby Garcia. Let's see what happens. And it's like, okay, if you've ever seen a Japanese game show, you understand. These people yeah. just do not give a fuck. If you've ever seen Yoshi's Magic Castle, you know exactly yeah, what's going on yeah. in Ryzen. Yeah, these dudes just like, hey, man, let's throw some shit out there and see what happens. So we, we talked about this a little bit. Um, when we were going through champion versus champion, but I had a thought during our conversation about John Jones. Okay. So, again, I'm going back to Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen has this theory that the long-lived heavyweight champions are somewhere around 130, 135 pounds. Randy Couture, Andre Orofsky... All those guys were somewhere around. His concept is that the perfect heavyweight champion is somewhere around 130. 230. Or sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. 230. 130. That I'm dude, sorry. Yeah, I mean, wrong. Wrong weight that's class. That's the wrong. You're about 100 pounds off. What, what's the proof yeah, on this shit? Say, you've uh, no, it. sorry. Yeah, 230. Somewhere around 230, 235. His theory is that's the perfect weight for a heavyweight because if they get heavier than that, they're slow and they have issues, and if they're lighter than that, they're not heavy enough. But you get into that, you can say that, but then you look at Stipe. Stipe's and a DC. big... And DC. And DC's a big... I mean, he's, you know, got a dad bod, but goddamn, dude can move. Or, I mean, Nganu. Nganu's a big motherfucker, and his fists are fast as shit. 
Alex, even Overeem, uh, yeah, even Alexander, Overeem yeah, getting a little Overeem. older in age, he can still move. He still got he can you know kicks. He's still quick on his feet. So I, I don't know if a legit heavyweight. I mean, yes, back in the day they were that, but nowadays they've all been two fifty or above. So you you think that the maturation of the sport has yes. pushed that that perfect heavyweight limit up? To more where DC and I mean, you're talking to guys like Bass Rutan, who was always Kevin Randall. Fit. Man. Yeah, they were always physically fit. So yeah, they only weighed two thirty, two thirty five, because they kept themselves fit every day. But now the the sport has materialized. So you have guys like DC who literally walks around with a dad bod, then gets in the cage and will beat your ass. Well, and the, the the frames, like just yeah. the frames, frames on the people are bigger. Oh, yeah. Yep. DC's got a big long, yep. uh, not DC, but I'm sorry, Stipe's got yep. a big long frame. DC's just a, like a naturally big guy. Yep. And Gano is a monster. He's a monster. He's a mutant. Yeah. And, you know, and even Tanner Bozer, yeah. right? I mean, he's yeah, a Tanner big Bozer's, boy. T- Tanner Bozer, what? Tanner Bozer will be fighting for a championship by next year. So if he continues at his pace, he will probably get a title shot next year about this time. If if you contrast the heavyweights that are weighing in where DC Steep A and Ghana, right? If you look at them now versus the heavyweights who are weighing in at that weight class back when it was Randy Couture, right? Tim Sylvia. Yeah. Right? Tim was a big guy, but he had a little extra kidney yeah. padding. In there, yeah. right? And some of the other dudes, um, like Tank Abbott, right? Well, I Tank mean, Abbott was just, yeah, he, he was had no just, cardio. He was just a big guy. Right. But, I mean, if you look at Tim Sylvia, right, yeah. he was kind of the outlier, yeah. right, in that in that time frame because you had, you had Randy Couture, you had Andre Olofsky, right? And, and once Arlovsky overtook Tim Sylvia, yeah. right, I mean, Tim kind of went away. Yep. Right? Rico Rodriguez, yeah. right? He was lighter until he lost and and you know faded away and, and and was picking up some fights in the the smaller shows but he you know he got a little bit of a, a gut yeah. to him um so yeah i think the it's funny the the frames just the frames on the heavyweights the natural heavyweights are starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger if you compare them to the folks back in that time frame yeah i think it's more of just how the sport is matured because dudes now, you know, back then, dudes who weighed 250, 260 could barely move. Yep. These dudes now weigh 250, 260 are doing fucking cartwheels and high kicks. Right. So I think it's a it's the difference of the people. I don't think two. Th- I mean, you might there there is legit probably a heavyweight at 235. We may see it again. That at 235, 232, just mops the floor with everybody because he's so strong. He's just naturally gifted. But I don't think it's John Jones. I love I, John Jones. I don't think he beats Nganu. I don't think he beats Stipe. Yeah, Nothing against so. him. I think those two guys, hell, I think Derek Lewis would probably take everything John Jones has for five rounds and then throw that crazy... <laughs> right hand from, you know, the freaking bleachers and knock John Jones out. Because Derek Lewis can take a beating. And yep. he just finds a way to be like, yep, man, thanks, you know, I'm spitting blood, and then here comes this fucking right hand from nowhere, and you're, like, waking up. Like, what the fuck just happened? The beast just knocked you the fuck out. Yep. 
John Jones will have, you know, if he fights somebody they hand pick for him, he might win. If he wants to compete against the top five, I think it's a fucking death row for him. Yeah, I don't think it'll work. Unless he's going to go, unless he's going to take two or three years off of fighting and alternate butt cheeks <laughs> and put up about 50 pounds of muscle, his, I don't see it. But but his his bone density and, and his frame is not, it's just not built to take that. He, I don't, if they went into a strict striking, yeah, he's going to catch some people. But these higher level guys, see, what make, pisses me off is... For Doom. Yeah. I want to see... I wanted to see DC versus John Jones at heavyweight. I think DC wins every time at heavyweight. Yeah, I agree. The weight cut to light heavyweight... It took too much out of him. It was too much on DC. It was just too much for him. I think at heavyweight, he <clears throat> mops the floor with John Jones. Agree. I think he just beats the shit out of him. But we never got to see that. We got robbed of it because John Jones like hookers and coke. I mean, it's his lifestyle. Hey, you know, he can afford it. He wants to live that way. But by all means, man, be you. We're not here to judge. Nope. Okay, maybe we are. Yeah, we are. We really are. You got anything else for various and sundry? Nah, that's, that's you know, we, I think we, we tackled it pretty well. Pretty much. All right, so we'll be right back with Jerry's closing comments here in just a second. All right, and we're back. So, Jerry, what do you got for us for closing comments tonight? Well, I thought about this a lot. So, you know, along, along with a lot of things we've talked about, basically tonight is personal responsibility. I've seen it as where I work, as in, you know, a male in my 40s, just dealing with a lot of younger men. You see a lot of people nowadays, they refuse to accept responsibility for anything they do. If something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else didn't raise them right. Someone didn't give this to them. Someone didn't give them an opportunity. Well, and then they're always looking for that shortcut hack. Well, I you know, I'm going to get, when it comes to training, you see people like, man, I can't wait three or four years to get a belt. This guy over here tells me if I pay him this much money, I can get a black belt in three years. And Matt talked, you know. About that last episode, yep. yeah. And, you know, I don't want to wait, put the time in. I don't want to be, you know, well, there's guys I talk to, you know, about, you know, weight loss and being healthy. They'll sit there and be asking me, hey, man, you know, I heard you lost a lot of weight, man. How do you do it? Well, eat less, move more. It's just that simple. And they'll, it's like, oh, man. And they'll look at me while they're drinking a fucking soda, soda and eating a bag of chips. And I'm like, man, you know, what can I do? Well, first put down that damn soda pop and that bag of chips. That's your first thing. And move a little bit. There is no shortcut in life. Anyone telling you that is selling you a bunch of shit so they can get wealthy. Shortcuts don't exist, man. You have to be responsible for everything you do in life. Whether it's your fitness... Your future, your education, your job, your marriage, your relationships, being a parent, everything is about you. Yes, your life could have sucked. Your upbringing could have sucked. Your school district could have sucked. But at the end of the day, you can take control of your own life. If you, if you want to be a victim and just give in and blame everything else, nothing will get better. 
if you take personal responsibility for how your day goes, I've said it before, take, you know, take, have respect for yourself. Have, have the dignity, have, you know, to live your life the way you want to be. Watching someone on social media and being disappointed or depressed because, oh, look at that person's got a million dollars or they got this or they got that and, I don't, and I'm working my ass off to make ends meet. Hey, you know, it is what it is. And half those people on social media are full of shit. We talked about that on one of the early episodes about not comparing your life to somebody else's yeah. and comparing your journey to theirs. Your life is your life. And if you take responsibility for your journey your journey and your achievements and concentrating on your life and living it and not comparing it to somebody else and trying to live up to the Joneses or be like the Kardashians yeah. you're going to be so much happier if you just concentrate on your shit do your you know, live your life and be the best you can be without trying to measure it against someone else's you know yardstick you're going to be so much better off. Personal responsibility can mean a lot to a lot of people. I actually asked a few people, hey, what does this mean to you? And they all gave me different answers. At the end of the day, responsible for your actions means if you make a mistake, own up to it. Don't blame other people. I'm, you know, I'm, I kind of got into this because like everybody else, I've been, you know, social media is full of this stuff right now. People blaming others for what's going on. People trying to use a situation to spin it one way or the other to get people's opinions. And at the end of the day, people have to take responsibility for their own actions. If you do something, there may be there will be consequences. And you have a lot of people out here that do not understand that there are consequences for their actions. You have to be responsible for the stuff you do. You have to be responsible for yourself. You have to be responsible for your, your, your thoughts and your actions. Always remember at the end of the day, the things you do will have an outcome, good or bad. So always try to remember before you do something, I always think, man, take a second and say, man, is this the best thing for me? I had a buddy get a DUI. He called me. This was, a, you know, years ago. But he called me wanting bail. I said, man, what happened? He said, well, you know, I was at so-and-so's place, man, and he kept giving me drinks, and then I drove home. I said, wait a minute. So you took drinks, and then you drove home. And he was trying to blame his buddy, you know, one of our mutual friends, for him getting a DUI. It's like, man, you you're a grown-ass adult. You drank, and then you drove. And you knew you drank a lot. And, and then you, you drove, drove anyway. And you want me to come bail you out. And it was, you know, DUI bailout back then, it was a lot of money that I'd have to put up. I'm talking like several thousand dollars in cash to get him a bond. I was like, man, yeah, it's going to sit there for a few days. Because apparently you don't understand what you've done. And, I mean, and he, even after court, he refused to take responsibility. 
And we are no longer friends because, I mean, you know, I grew up and he didn't. And you, I see that a lot with these younger men in their 20s. They'll have two or three kids, not taking care of any of them, blaming everybody else for their, the way their life is going. And it's like, dude, man, take responsibility for your own actions. Own up to them. You want to find the answer to all your problems? Go look in the mirror. Yep. Look inside, man. Take a few minutes. I did. I tell you what. The man I am today would have beat the ass of the man I used to be. I was, I was not a good person. I mean, I wasn't a criminal, but I was not a good person. You know, I was a bully. I bullied people. I mistreated people. I was very manipulative. I had a bad, you know, got put in a bad spot, and I grew up. Now I'm a better person. And I get better every day. And then, you know, when I go to bed at night, I sleep well because I haven't wronged anybody. And I take responsibility for my actions. I take responsibility at my job. When shit goes sideways, I take the blame. I'm like, yep, I did it. My fault. My call, my fault. Stuff here, you know, when we train in the gym. If I do something wrong, it's on me. I did it wrong, coach. I'm sorry. You know, up, up. I didn't do that right. Sorry. You know, at home with my wife. Baby, I forgot to do that. I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, you know, I didn't do it like you asked me to or like I promised. I take responsibility. Yeah, she's going to be mad at me, but I still, I don't say, hey, I forgot or play it off. I'm sorry. I, you know, move on. Being responsible. Taking responsibility, even if you've done something wrong and you're going to get in trouble, it's better to take responsibility for it and own up to it than it is to deny it to the end. Mm -hmm. Because the punishment's always worse if you keep putting it off. Yep. That's about all I got tonight. Yeah, it's a little preachy at the end. But with everything going on right now, I figure we need a little wake-up call. Yeah, we also try to keep it a little light, a little fun tonight. Do a little something yeah. off-kilter, so... Um, hopefully we brought a smile to y'all's face and uh, please let us know what you think. Yep. You know, we've got our Instagram and our Twitter account. I'll link to those in the show notes. Um, thanks again to Matt Warner for being on the episode Thank last you, Matt. week. Thanks, Matt. And for the awesome ad that we're featuring on the episode this week. So next week we'll have some more whiskey. We'll have some more interesting things to talk about. So brother Jerry, good to talk to you, brother. Good night, brother. Cheers. And we're out. The music from tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Maya from their album, Wailing Village.